Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, it can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Happy album release day to me, happy album release day to me. My seventh album, which is called Hannah, finally got released today. Lovely, wasn't that? <clears throat> yeah, I am speaking to you from Friday the 2nd of June and finally my seventh album is out in the world. Um, <clears throat> I say finally because like, never, I've never been a super speedy person with album turnarounds, but even for me, this is pretty spectacular. Started writing it January 2020. Should have been so straightforward, but it wasn't. But it ended up being a different album because of what was going on in the world, and I'm grateful for having made it. It's been lovely, and I'm just really excited to put it out there finally and have all these new songs to play with. And, um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit, not frazzled, that's the wrong word. I actually feel quite chilled today, but I do feel a bit like, woo, because the last little while has been so busy and I hate it when people say they're busy I find it quite annoying like normally if I'm feeling busy I don't say I'm busy I say oh, I'm spread a bit thin at the moment because basically you know sometimes when I'm doing a lot I just feel like I can't quite keep up with myself and I make silly mistakes but I have to say it has been quite hectic um it's just quite hard to kind of take in each individual moment sometimes you know this time two weeks ago I was flying to Mexico then I came back then I did a lovely live recording on my mum's podcast then I went and did a gig in France then I went and did a gig in London then I went to visit Richard's parents in the Ashdown Forest took all the kids it's very nice actually kids played a lot then we took them on a boat then we had to come back because sadly we went to a funeral then we went back on the boat, a couple of days on the boat. Then I went up to Manchester last night, came back today, going to the circus tonight, that'd be fun. Tomorrow, going to Dublin, back tomorrow night, Sunday brunch on Sunday morning, then Mighty Hoopla on Sunday evening. Monday, kids all back at school. Breathe. I'm not showing off. I'm just busy, but like, yeah, feeling a bit bamboozled. But it's all good. This is where I'm at. And I always say it would be horrible to release an album and have an empty diary. So this is definitely not a complaint. This is not a complaint. Did I start the podcast like this last week? I feel like I did. Maybe I do need to take a beat. 
Anywho, um, <clears throat> yes, what did I want to talk to you about? So I mentioned I went to a funeral and I don't know about you, but sometimes with a funeral, I'm really, I was really looking forward to going to this funeral because I knew it would give me the space and the time to really process and think about who has recently died, which very sadly is Dan from The Feelings' mum, Kath. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast for a little while, you might remember the conversation I had with Kath. So it's Kath Gillespie Sells. I think it was way back in the first series. It might have been second. Out of all hundred and whatever conversations I've had, I would put the conversation I had with Kath up there at the very top. It was just incredible. If you haven't listened to it, sometimes people will say to me, oh, I haven't heard a new podcast. Which one do you recommend? And I always say Kath's. Her story was remarkable. She was a remarkable woman. And she basically left the planet better than she found it. And I just think as a legacy, what an incredible thing. Also, so loved. There was so much love in the room when we went to celebrate her life. And her three sons spoke really well. And yeah, just really moving. Um, Kath <coughs> was found herself by the age of of late 20s um disabled after a, a freak occurrence really she got a splinter at work when she was a nurse um and she from the, the splinter she got sepsis which led to complications which led to an immuno sort of disorder that meant that she would have these flare-ups so sometimes be in a wheelchair sometimes be on crutches a lot of pain throughout her life um, she also, after having her two first two sons, realised that being straight wasn't for her. And, <clears throat> excuse me, she started relationships with women and the way she speaks about that in, in the conversation we had is exceptional. Just that like it was like a, a, an awakening. She then, through getting herself to pride marches, decided that she wanted to campaign to make it easier for disabled members of the LGBTQ plus community to get access to Pride. And remember, this is in the 80s when Prides had a real political edge and were really important and significant people to get to. Not saying they're not now, but the 80s was really a time where Pride had, had a, an agenda. Um, and so she set up a charity called Regard uh, and through that got an MBE. So a really amazing life. There's more to it than that. Listen to the podcast if you get a chance. It's an amazing tribute to her life that we have that recording. Very special. And, yeah, so it's been, yeah, a, a, a week of lots of different emotions. It was lovely to then go on the boat with the babies. We took the little three on a boat, Richard and I, like, had a little poodle up and down the Thames for a couple of days of half-term. And it's so still. You just sit on the water, you see little ducks, you can look at all people's houses and their gardens. It's good if you're nosy like me. And it was just very, very, very chilled and a little time to be a bit reflective before then getting back on the wagon we're talking about the album, all that. So, you know, lots of different things going on. And actually, come to think of it, that's probably why I've said I feel a little bit, bamboo but little bit bamboozled because I think sometimes if your emotions are kind of being pulled in different directions, then that can be the way that you feel at the end of it. But... Overall, I'm feeling really positive, and I do think if you ever go to the funeral of someone who sort of lived life really well and leaves a lot of love behind, then it's very inspiring and makes me want to be a bit braver because of her. And yes, where are we at for today? So today's guest is a really lovely woman called Gemma Bird, who 
I think I first discovered through one of those suggested posts on Instagram, actually. And I found myself watching something that she was talking about and I really found her compelling. Uh, She's Essex born and bred, mother of two. And she has brilliant money-saving tips and she speaks from the heart. She paid off her mortgage. She is very keen for people to feel they've got some agency over their cash and wants to try and uh, demystify being, you know, feeling competent with your money and with your funds. So she she's a regular on Lorraine's Saver Squad. She's got a book out that's called Money Mum Official, Save Yourself Happy. She's really keen to arm people with the knowledge of how to make the pennies sort themselves out so that the pounds take care of themselves. So I actually went to meet her, I think it was January now, in Essex in her lovely house. And we just had a really good conversation. She was very open as well about her struggles with anxiety and depression. And just all in all, a very open person, but very warm. We got on immediately. I met her husband, Adam. He made me and and our producer, Claire, um, hot cross buns. (laughs) Just all good stuff and she's got some tips for you if you find money intimidating if you feel like you're in a bit of a pickle there are um websites in the caption on the podcast and also in the blurb on insta so that you can find places to get some help um and yeah sorry i've waffled on for quite a long time uh now over to Gemma and i uh this is while we're drinking tea and pre-hot cross buns they came at the end all right see you on the other side I'm so happy to meet you, Gemma. It's so funny because um, when I reached out to you on Instagram, I DM'd you after I was looking at your um, brilliant posts on Instagram and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to jump in. And I was so like happy and also really surprised when I got this amazing, enthusiastic voice note back. (laughs) I feel like we've met before. Yeah, I mean, I do love a voice note. Where I'm (laughs) dyslexic, I voice note everybody. And I felt like I'd won the lottery when Sophie Ellis-Bexter just appeared in my DMs. I'm not going to lie. So I was really excited. I was like, what is happening? today (laughs) the voice note thing is interesting because it actually makes you feel like you sort of fast track through a few stages of the getting to know you bit yeah because you kind of go back and forth and it's like when you've got a conversation going you feel like you know someone better definitely (laughs) I like a voice note I I think it's more personal as well like you get to know that person's character and exactly more like more their thoughts and what they're like and what they're about I think it's more colourful as well isn't it you can hear that inflection in someone's voice and their happiness (laughs) (laughs) and um, what's up with you at the moment where do I find you you know today what you're doing at the moment so you can find me on Instagram which is Money Mum Official. I'm also on TikTok as well, although I don't know what the hell I'm doing on that. I just post the same stuff on that that I do on my Instagram, so more on my Instagram. And I'm doing stuff at the moment on Lorraine, um, part of their Saver Squad, so I go on there quite regularly and give sort of everyday tips for everybody, not just mums, even though I'm called Money Mum, it's just a catchy name. It's uh, it's for everybody. I'm mm. about all including all walks of life. And how, did it surprise you, where you how things have sort of snowballed with your tips? Yeah, it has. Um, It has and it hasn't because I'm sort of a go-getter in life. Like I came home one day after speaking to somebody that did social media and they were like, oh, you know, I'm on social media and I get to go to these events. And I, and I, that side of it, I was like, wow, imagine that. Um, And I thought, well, no one on social media is sharing like 
money tips or seeing the other side of it. Like, I'm not wealthy. I can't keep up and be every single day putting on a Prada handbag every single day and going out and showing that and these fancy pictures. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do a page where I just share everyday tips. Like, if I'm in Tesco's and there's pampers that are cheaper or whatever, whatever it is I'm looking at, I'm going to just share deals and money tips and things like I'll rent my driveway out to earn extra cash. Why pay extra for this? And if I do want to design a bag, I'm going to outlets and, you know, try and move away from it them just looking at influencers and celebrities because it could be that they're on amazing money and it's not it's not real everyday life. It's nice to look and it's lovely to see it and watch it, those lives, because it's interesting, of course it is. But there's also, I felt like there needs to be a realness to social media. So I thought, I'm just going to start it and see how it goes. And I thought, and another reason I started it, I thought, well, it's free to start being money mum. I thought, I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. I've only got my time to lose. And I thought, I'm just going to really give it a go. And obviously I'm really pleased I did because it's been amazing, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it has seemed to have resonated on so many levels. And I think, I mean, does it surprise you how many people find sort of a fundamental approach to, you know, keeping an eye on their cash really difficult? Yes and no again, because all my life, my friends have sort of said to me, like, why aren't you coming out? Oh, it's only a tenner, it's only 20 quid when I've been saving. They're like, you've got savings, why are you not coming out? Because I'm like, because I'm saving up, say, for my first car or I'm saving up to get on the property ladder or whatever that was. And I always used to be like, it's just a tenner gem, it's just 20 quid. And I just, I've always felt like, yeah, but £10 after I go to work, after tax and national insurance, that takes me an hour to earn that money, for example. So to me, it's always been... I've looked at other people and I've always thought so many sort of, of, of friends that I've known along, along the years haven't had the regards to that money. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not particularly shocked because I'm a real believer that the little things add up to the big things. Like people, you don't just make loads of money. It's, it's through savings and investments, you know? So yeah. it's like saving up that little bit of money to maybe buy that thing that might turn into more money. It's, it, it's a lot of choices. Obviously at the minute there's a cost of living crisis. So it's, yeah. it's very different at the minute. Um, but over the years when I've been younger, I've definitely noticed that I was different to other people in that way. And I suppose some of that's a bit of a slow burn thing because the things that you value, I mean, we're pretty much the same age. and So we're both in our early 40s and the things that you value now, the security now, that back 20 years ago, you know, where you're... Do you want to sneeze? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) I'm actually quite impressed you sneezed because sometimes when I tell people I'm going to sneeze, I don't sneeze. Oh, well, I did think that. (laughs) I was like, if I don't know sneeze... Um, Sneezing's fine, we will edit it out. Oh, God, I I get like sneezing fits, sorry. Right, stop. My husband's like that. He only sneezes in threes. Really? Yeah. Weird. (laughs) It's really funny. Sorry. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to sneeze. I better tell you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, It's a bit of a slow burn thing, what you're describing there, because now that we're in our early 40s, the happiness that you find from feeling secure in your you know, where you're living, what you're able to drive, your options that you have through to your savings and how you spend, that's not very important when you're, like, 21, is it? Mm. You're not thinking about that. Yeah. So in a way, it's quite an old head on young shoulders to be prioritising a future Yeah. when most people at that age are <laughs> only thinking about a more hedonistic here and now. Yeah, I was... I think I was always like that, maybe from more my mum as well. Like, mm. my mum always just sort of had like family allowance and a little cleaning job and she bought all of our stuff out of that and I always heard mum saying like no we can't have that we've got to save for that so maybe that's 
where I've got it from as well. Whereas my dad wasn't really like that. It was always my mum that was like the one that was like really good with the money. And she'd make like 20 quid last all half term and things like that, you know, because we'd be like loads and loads of free activities. And at the end of the week, we might have a McDonald's or something, you know? Yeah. So I think growing up like that, I think that maybe made me realise that when I got to my mum's sort of age, like in my forties, I wanted to be secure and not worrying like mum was. Um, because obviously when we were growing up, like mum didn't have money. I always thought, I don't want to be like that when I'm older. I remember sitting there when I was younger thinking, I want to be a millionaire. I want to buy a house. Like, mm. from a really, really young age, I remember that. Um, just really having the security. And it was never really about, like, handbags and things for me. It was about more seeing the world and security, like a house at home over my head, food on the table. I just wanted things like that and be able to, like, go out and do things. Like, days out were important to me. Like, if I wanted to go out and have a coffee, I could go out and have a coffee. It was yeah. never really about things. It was more security. And I'm, and I'm exactly like that now. Like, yeah. I like just going out with my kids for a walk. But then it's nice that if I want to buy my coffee, I can afford to do that. Whereas mum wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, it was always we had to take a flask. And most of my life has been like that, saving for now that, you know, I am mortgage-free now. So I'm, I do have that flexibility. So yeah. making those choices, I'm pleased I did make them. And I'm not saying I'm right, um, but I don't really feel like I did miss out in my 20s because I wasn't, I'm not into alcohol, which is, is great because obviously that's really expensive. So when I went out, I would literally drive and have like a soda and lime because it was the cheapest. So I feel like I always went out, but like I swapped clothes with friends and like social media wasn't there when we were growing up, you know? Yeah. So I'd go out every week and because I wasn't drinking, I'd go out for like, what, 80p and then come home. So people are like, do you feel like you missed out? I didn't have girls' holidays and things. Um, but again, it wasn't really something I wanted to do. Like even now, mm. like I'd, I'd say like go to for a spa day with you or I'd go to London and have some cocktails, but I wouldn't want to go and get like completely drunk and in a club now. And I didn't want to do that at 17. So I think mm. it's, it's the way I am as well as a person. Well, actually, something you've said there, it really sort of um, resonates with me in terms of how I think people are with with money because you were talking about how your association with it came from when you were little and you could see your mum and how she was approaching saving. And it sounds like your mum did an amazing job, by the way, of yeah. making that money last and st you not being aware of it in a, a negative. You're still doing loads of things. Yeah, and we had a lovely time. But, but that's incredible, isn't it, that she was like thinking, right, £20 half-term, right, I'm still going to, yeah. you know, make sure we've, we're having experiences and doing things. Um, but I think, and I don't know how if you'll agree with me, but I think you're, I think you have an emotional attachment to money. I don't think it's just, um, you know, maths and getting bills paid. I think it's emotional. And I think your emotional attachment to money and your association with love and probably other things like music. And I just think there's a few fundamentals that we get, we kind of have our map by the mm. time we're about 10. Mm. Do you know what I mean in terms of how you feel about it? I think it's so emotional. And I think, it, like I talk about in my book, it's a, it, money is a mindset. And I think it's the same with anything. Like you can say you want to do something, but until you act on that emotion, you're not going to do it. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Like you saying, I want to be a singer. I want to write a song. Okay, have you written a song? Well, no. It's like, I want to save for something. Okay, well, how are you going to do it? And that's what I talk about. It's like putting those plans in action. And you can fail at that. And that's fine. Like we had the conversation before this started. I wanted to do singing and dance when I was younger. And I tried and tried and tried and tried and got not bats and all and I got a no and eventually walked away but I still feel like I gave it my all and I tried there mm -hmm. and that's what I say to anyone like if you're in debt even if you're just paying off a pound a week and you're trying your absolute best then you're doing amazing don't put pressure on yourself you're doing the best that you can possibly do mm. and I think that's the same with anything in life that you want to do if you try and try and try and fail then no one can ask any more of you can they no they can't and sometimes as well you have to kind of uh step back a little bit and try and 
go back to your your initial examples of how money was spoken about in your house, how budgeting was spoken about. Um, I, how do you feel about with kids if you should be very open with them about earnings? I mean, is that something you do with your kids? Like if they said, how much is a you know a job or how much was our house or something like that? I, I'm never quite sure mm. the right way. Interesting. I mean, Brody's 10 and my daughter's four. So obviously Bronnie mm. doesn't ask for that. She just asks for everything when we go in the shop. I want that. Can I have that? <laughs> they turn into consumers yeah. so little. Yeah. Can I have that? Can I have that? And then we'll get the screaming tantrum and I'm like, no, because <laughs> and my friend even said the other day, oh my God, you, you've said no and you've stuck to it. And I said, because even if I gave her that lollipop... Two seconds later, she's going to want the dolly in the next shop. There's no switch off button. She's four years old. Like, if you came round here now, straight away, she'd probably, she'd be talking to you. And if you bought a switch, she'd be like, have you got any more? I mean, there's no filter at four years old, is there? So, at that age. But Brody, um, my 10-year-old, he does ask me the odd thing. Like, only recently, like, we're talking about a prime drink, for example. He's like, I want prime. And I'm like, if you think I'm paying £20 for a bottle of prime, he's like, but Why? But why won't you? Because I'm like, it's value for money. I'm like, because they're like two quid or whatever and mm. people are profiteering off of them. And I'm just like, out of principle, I'm like, no, <laughs> you're not having that for 20 quid. Um, so he does ask me about things like that. And I have tried to talk to him about money. Like, there's a really good example I can give you, not really on house prices and things, but I will talk to him about them when he's older. But we went to the park um, when he was about eight. And I remember he said to me, can I have an ice cream? And I said, yeah, sure, no problem, ice cream. The next day he asked me for another one. And yes, I could afford to buy him another one. I'm not going to lie. Like My mum physically couldn't. I could, but I still want to teach him. So I went, no, you had one yesterday. And he went, oh, it's not a lot of money. And I went, sorry? He went, it's not a lot of money. It's only £2. That's what he said to me. And I went, how much is a lot of money then, Brody? He went, £10. That's what he thought was a lot of money. So I said, okay then. So if I buy you an ice cream every single day this week, Monday to Friday, Brody, that's £10. And he went, oh! And I went, that is why I can't buy you one every single solitary day. You can have one twice a week in school holidays. I was thinking, because I don't want you having one every single day. It's not good for you. And uh, <laughs> no, you're not having everything you want. And he accepted that because I explained it to him. And I thought, wow, that really worked. Like, it, I didn't need to say £1,000 is a lot of money. Like, if you said to an adult, what's a lot of money? They might go twenty grand. But a 10-year-old's perceptive on that was £10 is loads of money. And it is a lot of money still, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's still money. Um, so I tried to sort of do that with him. And I and I kind of do that now. Like, even if he does want something really expensive, like he wanted some Nike Air Max, you know, he's getting to 10 and he said, oh, I really want Nike Air Max. So I said to him, okay, you can have them, but you can have them towards your, like you can have them as part of your Christmas present because the particular trainers he wanted were like £90 and I would usually spend like maybe £40, £30 in a pair of trainers yeah, yeah. for no, them every really day. Expensive, they're so right? expensive. Yeah. So I said, if you re- do you really want that for your Christmas present? And he said, yes, I really, really want that. So I thought, okay, you can have that. So I've, I'm trying to sort of educate him that, yeah, like things like that aren't everyday things. You can't have yeah. Nike Air Maxes all the time. And I don't really feel if I was worth a billion pounds or one pound that... I feel like I want to teach him how much things cost because when he's older, he can't go to his boss at the end of the month and be like, oh, listen, mate, um, you know, I've spent all my money, got a week to go, can I have another couple of hundred quid? Like you see children do. And it's like the boss would be like, absolutely not. So I want to, I want him to be able to know about money and manage money. Of course, you know, if I can, I'll never let my kids struggle and I'd love to help them when they're older. And, I've, and part of me as a mum wants to buy them everything, wants to get him all the different colours Air Max. Of course I do, I love him, he's my, he's my baby. But I just think, 
well, no, because I'm probably going to turn him into a person maybe I don't love. I want him to have, I want him to be grounded and I want him to be thankful and excited. And if you brought him something now, he's 10 years old, honestly, Sophie, he would be so excited. He'd be like, oh my God, mummy's mate come around and bought her this, you know? And, and that's what I love about him, you know, because he's so grateful and I want to, I want to keep my kids grounded. I think it's really important. It is important. And I think you have to, again, play a long game with that, don't you? Yeah. And sometimes with the kids, I've had exactly the same thing where I say, if I do that for you, it'll make you happier in the here and now, but in the long term, I'll be doing you a disservice. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really tough that though, because you are, you know, the bank of the parents and yeah. they, they don't really have any idea of really no. what it means or what you've had to do to earn that money. And also, once you cross over into... Well, yes, I I could af- afford it, but it, there'll be a repercussion later on down the line. That's quite tricky as yeah, well. Yeah, and definitely, it, because I think Brody will say things like, well, you can afford it because you've got a nice car and things like that. And I'm like, it's it's irrelevant, Brody. What I can afford and what you can have is totally irrelevant. So, you know, one time he came home, the only thing he's ever asked me for, really obscure... <laughs> He's he saw this young guy walking down the road with like a Gucci bum bag. You know, like they wear them over the shoulder. And he went to me, Can I have a Gucci bag? And I was like, I'm sorry, you're 10 years old. I think he was about nine at the time. I was like, Absolutely not. He's like, You've got one. And I was like, Yeah, I didn't have one until I was about 38. And I paid for it myself. And I'm not buying you a Gucci bag. And I remember he was like, Oh, so unfair. You know, you get that. And I thought, Oh my God, he's turned into a teenager. And I remember thinking, Back when I was a kid, saying to my mum, can I have these LA gear trainers? And she was like, absolutely not. You can have the Walrus ones. I can't afford them. They're exactly the same. And I'm like, they're not exactly the same, mum. I'm getting picked on in school. Um, This is my life's hell. And my mum always says to me, if I could have afforded to get you one pair, I would. And I think it's that line, isn't it? Like, I want him to have like the odd nice thing so he feels happy. Because I remember those, I remember thinking, I'm never going to let my kid have bad trainers. But yeah, my mum's so mean, making me have Walrus trainers. She's ruining my life. So that's probably why at Christmas I was like, yeah, you can have them. I so get your point. So it is really difficult because mm. you do you do want to like get things for them because you love them but it's because you love them you have to sometimes say no too isn't it yeah you've got to be always con- picking the boundaries and on that note I was thinking because obviously there's not just you in this equation you have your husband so do you have to do you see you know you don't always have the same opinion on things do you I know mm. that Richard and I have done that where we feel differently about things and he'll say, no, don't just buy that for them. They have That's that's more of a birthday present or a Christmas present type yeah. thing. So I guess you've got to kind of mm. feel similarly about these things too. Yeah, and I think having a discussion with your partner about money is really important. Mm. Like so many women I speak to now say to me, oh, I don't know how much our bills are. I don't know what bank we're with. I don't know where the gas and electric comes from. I don't know this. I don't know that. So I think just having open and honest conversations with your partner is really important. And it's yes, it's fine that one of you manages it. Like Adam actually does manage our gas and electricity, but I know where it is to go to it for spreadsheet because I'm working. So that works for us in our house. But so it's fine if someone completely runs the show on that. Mm. But I think it's important. And it's the same with the children. So like, yeah, we'll have differences of agreements. And I've been in the wrong, you know, I hold my hands up and sometimes I say things in front of the kids and he's always, he's really logical. I mean, you've just met him. You can see how logical he is compared to me. Um, he will say to me, wait till the kids are in bed and then we'll discuss that. And he's right. And over the years, I've, now Brody's got older, I've definitely done that. Because I think you forget when they're little, you can have the conversation. But Brody's now at that age where he's like, oh, dad dad said you were wrong on that. Or mum said, <laughs> and then they throw it back on you. And mm. he's definitely at that age where he'll go and ask Adam, like, can I have prime dad? 
And Adam will be like, no, and then he'll come and ask me. And mm. I said to him, if you do really well on his maths at school, he can get prime. And I managed to find it for £10, which is still an absolute rip-off, and I've yeah. been totally conned. But it was something he really wanted, and he'd done really, really well on his maths. And Adam even said to me, I still don't think you should have bought him it because it's a waste of money. But So we disagreed on that, but Adam was like, okay, I understand why you're doing it. So it is difficult, isn't it? I think I just think relationships, whether it's with your children, and I don't think there's any right or wrong. Like, what mm. I'm doing is not right or wrong, because it could be completely wrong for you. Like, you might go, well, no, actually, we've bought our children crates of Prime because we want to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it doesn't mean that you're, I'm wrong and you're right or you're right and I'm wrong. It's just, it's just knowing, I think it's important you and your partner are on the same page with things more than anything. Definitely. Um, and I love the fact that we're bringing it to such a thing like Prime. It just shows you that we're both in it the same. We've got the same we're age both kids. in this together. Yeah. So for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about, how would you describe it? Prime is, it's a, a drink. It's like, I think they call it hydration aid, which is also what a drink is. Just so I don't water know. really yeah, with exactly. some juice in it. And um, it's promoted by a YouTuber that lots of the kids watch and then they do it in these very select drops to supermarkets Yeah, and then you can never get hold of it so then it goes on things like eBay and places like that where people um, have hoit yeah. the prices It's up. like a two ninety nine drink or something and then yeah. people go oh, it's in the news agents for £20 it's profiteering exactly. but what I have just thought of a great money tip Sophie we yes. could do a drink and all the kids could go mad over it we could, couldn't we? Yeah, there you go. Or we could do a sort of knockoff like we call it like Prome or Prame yeah. or something. and our kids can promote it for us <laughs> Guess what our mums are doing? We'd be the coolest mums in the world then. They're like, oh my God, our mums are so cool. I think it might be inherently flawed because it's yeah. us doing yeah. it. We're not KSI, <laughs> are we? We'd be so boring. Cachet. Yeah. Yes, you're <laughs> <laughs> but what you were talking about when you're saying about talking to your other half, you know, if you're, you know, co-parenting your kids and you have that conversation about money. But I also think that brings me to just talking about money in general. It's very strange I, I was listening to something where you were being interviewed and you were saying how when we t- talk to people, we ask all sorts of personal questions and yet money is a complete taboo. And it's so true. I don't think I've ever had conversations with even my closest girlfriends where it comes down to what they earn or what I earn or any of that stuff. Mm. It's just not something there's much transparency over. But it could be so helpful and good for people if there's a bit more transparency, I think. Yeah, I think we're... As you said, we're, we're told not to not to ask, not to ask, not to ask. And I've always sort of been quite open and honest. Like, I'll say, like, oh, you know, what you're doing and what you're earning and things like that with, like, close friends. I'm not saying you should tell the world. Do you see what mm-hmm. I mean? But, yeah, like, it is true. Like, it's, it's the one thing that we're taught... We, it's imprinted in us. It's rude to ask that. So, yeah. therefore, we don't ask it. Like, you wouldn't walk in my kitchen now and then me say to you, oh, how much did you earn last year? Mm. You'd straight away close up and be like, I don't like her. What's she doing? Yeah. Why is she asking me that? Um, and because... The, that side of it, I feel like it, it makes people so frightened to say whether they haven't got any money and, and not know what to do and who to speak to if they get in debt. Like they can't even confide in their friends and tell them they're in debt. Mm. Or there might be like a group WhatsApp chat and you could be in that, for example, and you're a successful lady, right? And there could be 10 other people in that chat. It could just be a friend of a friend that's organising a night out. There could be somebody in that chat that... <laughs> is really struggling at the minute, but she thinks, oh my God, I know Sophie Ellis Bex is in the chat. I know that girl down the road is in the chat and she's got to be like, I'm embarrassed to say I can't do this. Whereas you guys would all be fine about it. You know, everyone always is. They're like, oh, that's absolutely fine. Don't worry. Like, come and we'll get you a drink, most people would say. Or, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. But we're told to not talk about it to such a degree that I feel it's almost damaging that 
we now don't talk about it so much. That's the one thing I feel COVID and the cost of living has done. People are being more open. Like, actually, it's just important to go for a coffee or actually, I'm really struggling at the minute. Um, you're going to have to put a jumper on when you come round because I can't afford the heating. Yeah. I think if there is a positive to come out of it, at least we are sort of all talking and all communicating and a lot of people are in the same boat um, and feeling less worried to sort of say, even to say to their wealthier friends who maybe are not in that boat because their wealthy friends understand because it's all over the media and the news, everything you put on, everyone understands that there's a cost of living crisis at the minute. But there's probably always, there has always been people in a cost of living crisis, yeah? Mm. But because it's not been, I mean the cost of living crisis at the minute is obviously huge as in like petrol and mortgages and everything gone up but there's always been people that have been really really struggling but because it's not been sort of spoken about like it is now I feel people have been worried to say definitely they're in debt and maybe that's caused them more pain and more anguish over that you know this there's reports that people take their own lives over money which is absolutely heartbreaking because it is just money and things like that absolutely make me feel sick when I hear that. Well, there's a lot of shame associated yeah. with, with getting yourself in a real state, yeah. isn't there? And, and and as you say, being unsure of how to reach out. Um, I imagine it if you get to that extreme situation, it's very isolating. Mm. And, and, you know, the very sort of fundamental thing of, you say, being able to even afford to just go and meet a friend to have a drink where you might possibly confess about those things. That, yeah. that all these things close up. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay inside your own head, stay inside your own space. Yeah. Do you sometimes get people coming to you now that you've become a public figure with talking to people about money saving? Do you have people come every to you day, someday's yeah. got in this situation? Yeah, pretty much every day. There's people in my inbox um, that say... Um, I'm really struggling. But I also get a lot of messages saying I was really struggling and you shared a reel about talking about it and I have, I've spoken to my friend and or I've, I've, I've thank you for putting the links up about the National Help Line and Step Change and things like that and I've gone and spoken to them and I've got a plan in place and I'm going to be debt free in two years. And I had a lovely message the other day, a lady, she was 10 grand's worth in debt and she said, oh, I've been following your little savings guide and I've been doing it you put it up about a year and a half ago and I'm now only eight grand in debt and I was like that's absolutely amazing she goes I feel so buzzing I'm still in debt but I feel I've achieved so much I was like you have that's a huge amount of money to have paid off like well done like on everything else like that's absolutely amazing and I just think that's like the positive side we should be because we're all going to earn different money we're all going to be all different walks of life there's always someone richer there's always someone worse off I always say that to everyone so try and not worry about what everybody else is doing because you're never going to keep up you're never going to keep up um we're all in different situations, aren't we? Yeah. So I just think, yeah, I think it's trying to get the confidence to just, especially say to your nearest and dearest, you know what, I can't afford to do that. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, and I do I do think that's starting to change, especially this year, which is is the, is the positive to take out of it. That yeah. We're all talking, you know? No, I totally agree with you. I think where when, once from people I've spoken to who've got themselves in a really, really you know, very intense situation, once they start speaking to people, everybody just swoops in and says, oh my God, why don't you tell us sooner? You yeah. know? So it, and from that moment on, it, the, the, you've shared it and it starts to alleviate and you start to make a plan about getting yourself back into a good spot. So you're right about talking to people. So if we talk more about you, what was going on in your life when you had your first baby, when you had your son? Where were you, what were you up to at that time? Um, so when I got pregnant with Brodie I was working in mortgage collections arrears um for a bank um doing that was on a call center um interesting very interesting job um again (laughs) to do with money I guess um people every day struggling um so it was mortgage arrears so I was doing that and then I got made redundant for the bank when I was pregnant so obviously really really worried um and then my partner actually Adam lost his job at the time as well 
So yes, there was two of us out of work. I was pregnant, so it was a really worrying time, as you can imagine, um, for both of us to be out of work. Um, Adam then sort of got another job. It didn't kind of work out. Um, and then so what I did was, with my redundancy money, which wasn't huge at all, it was a few thousand pounds. It wasn't enough to like last for a long time at all. Because I'd only been at the bank, I think, a year and a half, two years maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like the, the bottom grade, you know, like when you first go into the bank. So I wasn't on a higher pay grade, so it made it very difficult and one of my friends at the bank had been made redundant as well. Um, and we set up an online business and was sort of sold underwear from home so on Amazon and eBay. And I did that for about eight to ten years. I never earned loads of money off of it, but we just kept afloat from it. Yeah. Um, and then sort of from then had Bronte whilst we were doing this and Adam sort of used to pack all the stuff as well and we didn't have much at all we we didn't we didn't have our mortgage because I'd bought properties when I was younger and I cleared that but we still had all our bills to pay but I wasn't earning much more than sort of between 15 and 20,000 I think Adam was earning about 8,000 so it was literally yeah it was just covering the bills and it was packed lunches everywhere and yeah but I, I, we still had like a nice time but it was like living like mum was um and it was like that really pretty much the whole of our time we've been together sort of always sort of having to say no and on the group whatsapp chats going I can't afford to do that or I have to go over there's a voucher code or I've only got a tenner tonight and it was just like that for years you know we'd always wanted to move but we couldn't um so we had years and years and years of that and it was always when Brody was little we just sort of went out to like I did lots of church groups and things like that because they were like just pay a donation um and I talk about that a lot like I didn't do like the classes where you had to pay an upfront thing of like 150 200 pounds I just didn't have it you know yeah there there's was, so much of that's actually really expensive it as is well, really expensive it? it's lovely if you can do it and my god if I could turn back the time and do them all I'd 100% do them all. if you can afford to do them of course you're gonna do that it's a lovely thing to do but at the same time I also had a great time at the church groups and like there was messy play and there was like little council run groups and I just sort of did all them and then did like NCT and did a thing where we all sort of went to each other's houses once a week for a coffee. So it was just like hosting, like you'd buy the cake and the coffee one week mm. and then they would. So, and I did like lots of long walks and things like that. And that was sort of all all I sort of did with the kids when they were young, really. There mm. wasn't anything particularly lavish that we did. <laughs> <laughs> but still, when you said about being pregnant and then both of you losing your jobs, my jaw did drop a bit. That sounds incredibly stressful. Is that the first time you've been in a situation mm. where the rug's been pulled out from you like that? No, because before I had my son, my first husband left me. And so obviously I lost my home. I didn't, I wasn't really working. I got a job for seven grand a year. Um, I was trying to sell the home. I was heartbroken. Um, Felt like I lost everything around me. He had the car in the divorce settlement and I had properties, but they were in, it was in 2007 when it was the property crash. They were all in negative equity. So I think it was horrific. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to get out of this mess. Like, ever and I Mm. had lots of friends around me um but I was in such a bad dark place like unbelievable um so when that happened because I think and this is going to sound really cringe but I'm so in love with Adam and so happy with him I know it sounds really like oh my god so cringe but I actually am like he's like my best friend that I just I remember thinking well we've got each other like it'll be all right like so maybe because I'd had that happen and my parents had broken up just before that, like so much bad had happened that I've not even sort of spoken about my Instagram that I wouldn't speak about in my private life. That when that happened, although it was horrific, I just did think, well, at least I'm having a baby, you know, I really want a baby. And I've got Adam and I was trying to sort of see the positive side of it. Obviously, I was thinking, 
oh my goodness me, but I think as well where I have been good with my money, I'd had some savings and Adam had savings. So we knew that we'd be all right just to cover the bills and we was just going to get by really. And neither of us are into like, mate, like it wasn't like, oh God, we're not going to be able to go up West End every week because we weren't really like that. Like, yeah, if, we, if we've got it, lovely. We go out and enjoy ourselves. But if we haven't, we're, we're fine not to as well at the same time. Yeah, and I think... Well, firstly, I don't think it's cringy at all that you're happily married. I think that's really <laughs> lovely. It's really nice to hear. And and also, I think I've noticed that so many people who give advice in an area have really experienced, you know, the complete extremes of, of what it is they're giving advice on. So the fact that you've had that and you've lived that experience of having it all fall away and just feeling like you're in a really dark place mm. and everything has just gone completely tilted, you know, Sometimes life just happens to us for all our planning, for mm. all our thought about it. And you can't control what happens with other variables, like what other people do with their, make decisions with, you know, what they're doing. So mm. we, we, no one's immune from those things at all. And it probably stands you in really good stead for the people that come to you and want to hear from you about how you've got yourself into a much happier spot now. Yeah, definitely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So did you always want to be a mum? Is that something you always thought? No, not in my 20s. I was like, oh, I'm never going to have kids. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't want kids. Like, oh, they're so annoying. Like, no way. <laughs> I don't want to get pregnant. And the thought of giving birth, like, who would do that? You must be mental. And then literally my first husband left me and I was 29. And I was like, I want to get married and have kids. Like, that is when it hit me. Um and maybe that is because he left that I then thought it's been taken away from me. And at 29, when you're approaching 30, 
you're not because now I'm ne- I'm 41 now. I thought I was so old. I thought everyone's taken, everyone's got kids, everyone's got their career sorted out. I've literally not got my career sorted out. I've got properties that are negative equity. I'm absolutely screwed, you know. I've got I've got nothing. And then I think meeting Adam, I knew the minute I met him I wanted to marry him and have his babies. Like, it was just instant. Like, I think I must have told him probably on the second day, which is probably why he did dump me after two weeks of meeting me. But that's another story for another day. Yeah, slightly stalked him. <laughs> Don't know whether I'd recommend that, but, you know, got him in the end. I told you I'd go get it, um, literally. So, yeah, it was, I didn't want him, no, not at all. And then I was so broody, it was unbelievable. Mm. It just hit me. So I, I feel like yeah, that can happen, can't it? Because I suppose lots of women like that. They're like, don't want him, don't want him, don't want him. Like they get like 36 or something. They're like, I want a baby. It's really weird, isn't it? But I think Definitely. it was right for me. Some people want babies like 18, 19. They just know, don't they? Yeah. And they want, they want to be a young mum and that really suits them. And that's wonderful because... As you say, you've you've got like a nineteen year old as well, so that's lovely because you're a really young mum for him. But it just wasn't right for me. Like I would have yeah. been, I would have been awful as a young mum. And so, when you had your baby, can you remember how it felt to suddenly be be a mum and have that happen? Yeah, I was obsessed with him, <laughs> like obsessed to the point of I'd be one of them people that say like you come over, I'd be like, oh my god, look, he's lifting his fork, he's kicking his ball. And people would be like, yeah, and I'd be like, he's so handsome, isn't he? Isn't he amazing? Oh, my God, isn't he, like, the cutest baby you've ever seen in your entire life? Have you seen this outfit I bought for him? Like, yeah, I was obsessed with him. And I still am now, I'm not going to lie. I am absolutely obsessed with my kids. Like, I just love them so much. That's why I struggle with the, no, you can't have, because I'm like, oh, my God, they're so cute, though. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit soft in other ways. Um, yeah, I was just obsessed with him. Like, I don't know, like... Yeah, the minute he was born, mm. I was just... The love you feel for him is just... And I always thought, like, I'm never going to breastfeed. When in my 20s, I was like, yuck, I'm never going to do that. It's disgusting. <laughs> Why would any mother do that? The minute I had him, I was like, I want to breastfeed. Like, and I think my mum was even like, oh, my God, like, she wants to breastfeed. She wants another baby. I was like, oh, my God, I think I want four. But also, <laughs> I hated the pregnancy. I was, didn't have a good pregnancy, and the birth was horrific. So that side, I, I generally didn't like. I was right in my 20s on that side. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just... Being a mum, I loved it. Yeah, I really did. And you always thought you wanted to have more because your daughter now, she's the same age as my youngest, yeah. so she's really cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always I always did want more, but I had a lot of trouble having Bronte. There was a big age, there's a big age gap between them because I just didn't fall pregnant with Bronte. Um, so I could just call her my, like, my little miracle. We were sort of giving up hope and then I got pregnant with her. So it was amazing. Um, and yeah, she's, she's hard work, but she's so cute, but she's hard work. <laughs> she's four. I mean, you know, having five kids, like. Well, it's funny because this, literally this morning when Mickey, my four-year-old was ordering me around and I was like, I think I've birthed my own boss. Yeah. I think that's what I've done. You've given birth to yourself. That's <laughs> what my mum says. I've just had this boss child. Yeah. <laughs> just basically exists to uh, fulfil his needs. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of it. <laughs> they tell you what to do. And the little things they say when they're four are so funny. Like she went to me the other day, I'm not wearing that. And I'm just like, you are because you're four years old and that's what you're wearing. And then she come out in like a tutu and we were going to the park. I was like, no, Bronte, <laughs> you're not wearing that. Like, mm. So yeah, I, I love their little characters. I think that's a really nice age like four and five it is it's really funny yeah. I definitely like it too so with your so when you got to 2019 when you set up your Instagram is that right so. I, I basically I majorly I, I set it up in 2019 I decided I think oh I might start a page and then I really went for it I'd say like January 2020 was when I really sort of started going for it and how natural was it for you to sort of put yourself out there in that way because I've, I've heard you talk about anxiety as part of you yeah. know, something you deal with mm. So sometimes that seems slightly counterintuitive to also mm. put yourself out there like that. But obviously I think it's brilliant to 
take on challenges. I mean, has it has it helped in some ways with that, do you think? No, I'd say I'm probably worse. <laughs> I mean, I'm really honest. Um, I suffer extreme anxiety and depression. I'm not going to lie, I have trouble getting out of bed some days. Um, but I always try and put one full foot forward in front of the other. My, I mean, I've had, when I have a low day, I'll, I've been on Instagram and said it and broke down and cried. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just a real... I'm just a normal person like on there and I like to show that side and I, I like talking about mental health and anxiety because it's, it's, it's passionate to me because mm. I suffer with it every single day I battle it but it's weird I've not got anxiety speaking to somebody like when you came around like I'm not nervous to meet people in fact I love it I was like oh buzzing because it makes me want to get up like if you'd not been here this morning I'd have felt depressed maybe and just overthinking whereas Adam straight away said to me look Sophie's going to come around like are you going to have a chat with her like and he's like really positive he's my positive little egg um because I felt really depressed when I woke up this morning I'm not gonna lie um but then I felt doing something positive like this speaking it does help me and like going for walks really helped me mm-hmm. um so yes and no because obviously you, there's bad sides to social media there's people that can be mean and can be horrible so instantly I've not read or looked at anything I ever do like I don't watch myself back on any tv show I don't really ever listen to a podcast back um I don't my DMs are usually really lovely, so I'm okay with it. But I don't go searching for anything because otherwise I wouldn't be able to cope. Like that's how I've had to do it. So yeah. I've gone on it. I put something on, and I I couldn't cope with looking and seeing things because it's all very well. We all get spoken about. Like you could walk out the room now, and I could be like, I don't like a cardigan shed on. But the beauty you've got of that, <laughs> I do. By the way, I was just looking at a cardigan. I was like, whoa, she went straight for a cardigan. <laughs> straight. It's just a pink cardigan. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, you could walk out the room, and I could say that. At, but the beauty of it is you don't know I've said it. Do you get what I mean? Whereas mm. when it's in black and white and you know yeah, this yeah, yourself, yeah. What's, what, what is any good of me coming over to you saying, oh my God, have you seen that comment about you in the Daily Mail, Sophie? They're saying that you look horrible. Mm. That's gonna, that's, there's nothing good to come of that. So nothing. that side of it I've just never, ever looked at. So I live in bliss doing that. That's yeah. the only thing that I would say is don't look if you want to do the page, just don't look at anything. Um, and then the other side of it, I feel in some ways it does help my anxiety because I get to talk on there and perform. So I'm not anxious with doing that because that is that side of me. Like I'm confident to talk to people. Mm. It doesn't mean I've not got anxiety. I mean, like I'm so confident. Is like that I walk in a room. Had your whole life, the anxiety, do you think? I think it's got worse and worse and worse as the years have gone on. And I think it's, I think it's probably what some of the worst anxiety I've had is this month I've ever had in my life. Um, other than going through my divorce. Um, mm. I've just had a terrible month with it, like horrific, overthinking everything, second-guessing everything. I think as well, I wear my heart on my sleeve, I'm really open. So then mm. I go back and think, oh, what did I say? Oh, are they going to like me? Oh, what did I do wrong? And I tried as older I've got, and I, I'd got really, really good with that. I felt like I'd managed it. And then this month, I'm not going to lie, I've gone back to doing it again. Mm. So I need to try and get on top of that, um, definitely. But social media is good for me as in like it gives me something to focus on and it gives me a career and yeah, a and career purpose. I enjoy in a purpose yeah and I've met loads of lovely people like I won't be sitting here today with you without it I mean I've met so many interesting people and people that are now my friends yeah. that I've met through it that I've stayed in touch with afterwards because if I get on with someone I think oh I got on with them like it doesn't matter if I met them on a podcast tv show they're a singer they're a dancer they're the man that works down the road he's been in debt I've met so many different friends from doing it all walks of life mm-hmm. and, and that, that side of it 
I've loved because yeah. I've, I've opened my circle and I can nap to all different people and I enjoy that because I can go and meet up with different people and stuff and that's I good for me. I can see you get energy, good energy from being around other people and those one-to-one conversations and I also thank you so much for being open with how you're feeling because um, firstly, I'm sorry you've been struggling more than normal recently. That must be really tough. I've got f- family members who struggle with anxiety so I've seen firsthand how it's not the same as stress or anything like that. It's like a really fizzy, uncomfortable thing that can take over yeah, everything. it's painful. It hurts your body is the best way to describe yeah. it. And your bones hurt. Yeah. I can't describe it. It's weird, like, when people say describe it, I'm like, when I'm in my bed, but there are loads of people who don't know what I'm talking about with this. Like, when I wake up in the morning, I'm inside my bed. Mm. I feel like I'm in the mattress. Mm. Like, I can't get up. Yeah. Because if I go back to sleep, it turns off my mind. Mm. So people say, trouble sleeping? I'm like, no, I'm the total opposite. I can't wake up. Yeah. Like, if I'm stressed, I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's the way I deal with things. Because I shut feel down. Like, I think because my mind is so overactive, like, I'm always on to the next thing. Maybe that's why I'm good with saving, because I'm a worrier. I'm, mm. it, it's something I can control, isn't it? So yes. maybe that's why I'm good with it. Yeah, that's true. I suppose with numbers in general, if there's, there's a predictable outcome to it, then there's a sort of, there's actually a kind of music in it too, you know? Like, sums make sense, and they're kind of, there's like an equation that's pleasing. Mm. And if you're someone that derives pleasure from that, I can imagine it's... Must be quite addictive, yeah. actually. Because I don't not like knowing the answer. I want either a yes or a no. So, for mm. example, so I'd asked you to come on your podcast, and you were like, "I'll get back to you." That would drive me insane. I'd be like, "What do you mean, get back to me? Is it a yes or a no?" Like, I think because I I know the answer straight away, mm-hmm. and I think that he's going through a divorce when he was like, "I don't know what I want," and that went on for four months, and I didn't eat for nearly four months, and I think that not knowing that has driven me so so bad later in life that now I can't cope with that like I'd rather yeah. use someone just say no you've not got it and then I can deal with it it's really strange like once I know the answer so maybe that's the thing with like money and control like I, I'm like no I have to get to this thing and I won't stop till I do or mm-hmm. whatever it is and maybe that's why I've been successful on social media because I'm like no I have to get to this number no I, I'm not, I, I need to grow I need to make sure I'm doing this right I need to make sure I've got this many rules going on a week I need to make sure I'm doing this yeah. maybe it's a control thing as well so it maybe, feels quite pleasing for your brain yeah, to have that yeah. sense of that and I, I totally understand that and I think also when you're describing someone needing four months to decide what they were doing next when you're emotionally invested there's a huge cruelty in that for, yeah. you, know, for you to have to just be waiting to see what horrific. the outcome I mean, absolutely horrific you, you know, to say to someone, even if someone did that for four hours that'd be a long four hours let alone yeah. weeks, months you know that's and I think that's definitely stayed with me in my life. Yeah, it's that's traumatic. Gonna, yeah. That's deeply traumatic. And another thing that can be traumatic is what I've heard you say about your dyslexia. I've got a dyslexic son and I can see how difficult sort of conventional education is when you don't always feel like you know what's going on in a classroom. How did you feel when you were little with that? My mum harped on about it all the time. My mum my mum always said when I was younger, like she's got oh, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but those people will always say it's really obvious I've got it. Um, my mum used to say she's dyslexic, she's got ADHD, she's you know, she needs help, she writes everything back to front. But I think you know yourself, years ago it was just like they didn't ever really look into things like that. Mm. So it was just like I was just kind of just left and they would just like be like, Oh, you've spelled everything wrong. You've put all your letters back to front. Like everything's mirrored. And I'm like, oh, I don't understand. And like, even like your name, for example, that's a really hard yeah, name sorry, for me. That is a ridiculous name. It's, it's hard. <laughs> no, I get it misspelled anyway. Not even the Ellis Bext a bit so much. Oh, really? Oh, we're having it's the PH. Sophie. Yeah. I find that a really hard name to spell. I have to like keep putting it in my phone. Like if I was mm. writing it, I'm like, so, I can't even think I'd spell it now. Um, I don't know whether it's S P or S H, and I know it's got an O in it. I know no, it's that got makes H, sense. And I know if it's you got an I, and I know it's H. You'd have a so sound as well yeah and I know it's got an I and I know it's got an E but I don't know which order it goes in and when I see it it's really really weird when I see the way your name is spelt it looks wrong to me 
well, like soppy or something. Yeah, look, that's what it looks like. Yes. But I spell it soppy. <laughs> but I, in my mind, you that can call looks me like. Soppy. That's <laughs> in my mind, it looks like Sophie. But when I see it written yeah. down the right way, you think, I, oh, will, I've done it wrong. I would almost argue with you and be like, you've spelt that wrong. <laughs> and you're like, no, I havenven't that's my name. And I'm like, are you sure you spelt that right? And George is another name. That I can't spell yeah. that. My friend's got a little boy called George, and I'm always like, oh, gosh, this is birthday. So I have to, I say it into my phone, I go, George, like that, you know, you can't yeah. even Google. Sophie, like that's, there's, there's certain names that I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I panic on a card. I'm like, oh, I'll just, I know those letters are here. Hopefully this is right. But how good is it that, that we, with, um, you know, so much digital technology, it does alleviate so many of these pressures when you're able to use your phone in a different way. So you can get your thoughts across, you can get your ideas across. And the fact that spelling and long form reading is tricky is just... It's taken amazing. away. I love, I love that very much. I yeah. think it's brilliant. It's hard when you read things back because I wrote something on social media the other day and luckily people obviously that follow me know about it and they were all chuckling because I was trying to put out a positive message and I said something like, doing this will make you feel better. Whatever it was, I put won't make, will not make you feel better. Like I did the other <laughs> meaning. So basically the meme was like all positive and my caption was like completely <laughs> negative. <laughs> And I'd left it for, I think, 24 hours. And everyone was, like, putting laughter under the thing. And I was thinking, what's so funny about this meme? Like, it's not funny. This is a serious subject I'm talking about. And that was getting me stressed. And then I went in my inbox and people were like, oh, Jem, you have made us laugh. Like, you've put the... And I'm like, right, OK, I better go and edit that. So, yeah, sometimes it's uh, a little bit hard because I read things back. People are like, just read it back. And I'm like, I did. And then my friends are like, OK, right. That's really bad then. So, yeah, it is hard. But you know what? Everyone's like, get someone to write your captions. But I'm like, no, I want to be me. And you, you, you've got, you, I always say to everyone, you've got to Germanize it. Like, understand what I'm saying. You'll get yeah. there in the end. Yeah, and also <laughs> I think people are much, much, much more au okay with, you know, people, I mean, the, the meaning of something coming across more than the literal because we're all writing and doing our captions. Like, I mean, if you're someone that struggles with punctuation, grammar, spelling, like stay away from the internet because it's just like, completely you're not, not going and, and I'm doing this job <laughs> and commas and full stops. Well, I know where a full stop kind of comes in, but I throw commas in now because I'm trying to get a bit better, but I don't actually know if I'm putting them in the right place. <laughs> Because my mum said, no, Jen, when you're, like, saying something and then you stop there and that's where it needs to come. So I'm trying to learn. I feel like I've got a bit better, actually. <laughs> I probably haven't. Everyone's probably listening to this being like, no, Jen, you're dreadful at it. But, you know, I'm trying. Your mum sounds really cool, by the way. You've mentioned her a few times. She sounds like yeah, someone who's always... She, I'm really close to her, yeah. I Does she live near you? Like... She lives in Hertfordshire and I'm in Essex, so it's about 45 minutes away driving, but mum doesn't drive. Okay, so you um, can see her. She never learnt to drive because she couldn't afford it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They couldn't afford driving lessons. And she's like, oh, well, I couldn't have afforded a car. And now I've even sort of said to her, well, listen, learn to drive and I'll buy you a car. And she's like, absolutely not. Is it the cost of petrol, Gemma? I'm not doing that. That's how my mum is. She's like, no. Like, so I'm like, okay. Starting to see where the money management started from. Yeah, she's really like that. Like, even if now I'll be like, oh, mum, just do that. And, I, and I'll give you that. No, it's five pounds. You will absolutely not. She's like that now. And I'm like, no, mum, let me help you. But she's always going to be independent. She's never going to be like, people are like, why don't you let your mum come and take her? I'm like, uh, do you know my mum? She's not going to be taking that, you know? Like, so yeah, that's just mum. But yeah, but that's cool though. She's obviously instilled that in you to be able to be very upfront with like, nope, this is going to cost that, so I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, I, I was hearing you talk about um, teaching money management in schools. Mm. Um, is there much of a momentum behind that? Because I, I think you were talking about possibly even doing it as a 
TV programme or something like that. I just think it would be so brilliant. I'm all for it. If, you've got well, if you know anyone going. that can uh, get me on a show to do it so, let me know. But wouldn't it be so good? If it, why do they not teach it in schools? It's why? Re- absolutely ridiculous. Isn't it? Like, it? like, they need to be teaching it in schools. I say it on every single podcast. I've said it on my Instagram. I, I tried to open a petition and it got shut down because one was open years ago or something. And I was like... What? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Oh so I can't even get it in there. So I, I need to try and... I've got my PR sort of looking at it and I've got mm. another meeting with them about trying to get it into schools. Like, and I said, if we could do like a documentary on it where yeah. we went in and we spoke to some children and what they wanted to learn, then maybe we could cause some noise and some some movement on it. But it, this, it's just me and I speak to so many mums and I know every single person would sign that petition. I yeah. reckon we could get... Like, and, I, and I know there's so many celebrities and big accounts out there that I know that I could send it that are mums. Like, I know if I sent it to you, you'd be like, absolutely, I'll share yeah. out my stories. That would, we would all between us get the things. So I am looking at it because I just think... I don't think it needs to be an exam because I no. think that's what the person went down before. It doesn't need to be an exam. It just I feel it needs to be once a month mm-hmm. from sort of maybe year nine to when they leave school, once a month, an open forum where the teachers just say, okay, today we're going to talk about a mortgage, what you have to do when you get a mortgage. Yes. And when you get a mortgage for £200,000, you're going to be paying back £350,000 because there's a thing called interest, for example. Do you know what I mean? I'm making these numbers yeah, up. Yeah, no, no, I but agree. Because... I remember having a conversation with a few teenagers and they were like, what do you mean? If I borrow £200,000, I've got to pay back more than that, but I've only borrowed £200,000. And I'm like, yeah, because it's interest. interest yeah. So if you overpaid by like £30 a month, if you've got that extra money, you might bring six months off your mortgage and that might save you like £10,000 over like the 25-year term. We need to be showing things like that, like what to do with your first wage packet. When you are 17 and you're living at home with mum and dad, for example, or 18, and you might be paying mum and dad, say, £100 a week housekeeping, for example, you might be bringing home £1,500 a month. You are so rich then, you don't realise it. We need to be teaching in schools. With that with that £1,500, you've got £600 a month left. You've got 600 for yourself, put 600 away. If they put 600 away every single month, and they did that for four years, they'd almost have a deposit for their first home from 17 to 22 to 23. This is not being taught. If this was taught, because this is what my mum told me to do and I told mm. my sister to do it, and I saved up 25000 and my sister saved up 30000 I did it with my partner at the time, but he wasn't on high money at the time. If this was taught in schools, it would eradicate a lot on what to do when you're in debt, where do you go, is it anything to be ashamed of? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, all these things, and teenagers and young kids could ask questions yeah. that maybe they don't want to ask mum. Yeah. Like, you know, how much is it for your first house? Like, and, it, and it can be done by area because every year it's ridiculous saying to a child up north what it is in London. So each classroom needs to be tailor-made for that child. So, okay, well, if you live around here, you're going to be paying 200 grand for a house. But if you move to London, you're going to be paying 2 million for a flat. So you have to decide where you want to live. So even if you're going to rent in London, you'd need to be on more money. And if you go into London, you'll get a thing called London waiting. And just little things that we need to know. Like I totally agree Every with you. single day. Like we teach religious education and I think that is important do not get me wrong but why can't we remove something like that once a month and teach them about money because not everyone's going to be interested in religion mm-hmm. but everybody whatever religion you are whatever you believe in money we're all related to money yeah. me you everybody in this room is related to money we all we've all got that connected to us whether you're a multi-millionaire yeah. or you are thousands of pounds worth in debt we've all got money connected to us so we need to be taught it it's 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 absolutely mental even if it's even more basic even if they just had it where there was you know an organization that went around schools and did a week in i think you could even start in primary with basic i do 
budgeting, you know, what it's going to feel like when you grow up. When, you know, from secondary, teaching the difference between, you know, different types of employment, what's expected of, you know, how you, taxes, all this kind of thing. Oh my goodness. And I do wonder sometimes if there's, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, but I do wonder if, if there's a, some sort of, I don't know, convenience and a lot of people not really having a good handle on how these things work. Yeah, or do they want do they want us to get in debt? Do they want the interest? Is there someone? Exactly. I don't think that, like, how is it not being told? Like, I know. It's absolutely, and you could do it easy with primary school things. You know, there's like tuck shops and whatever they call them nowadays, yeah. probably not a tuck shop, is it? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably old school. But, you know, like, maybe you could even do a thing like this week and say to all the parents, like, we want you to give your kids £2, £5, £10, whatever the school agrees, whatever the school is, mm-hmm. wherever it is, and we're going to run a tuck shop and we want the kids to, try and make it last a week and see what kids spend it in a day and what kids buy yeah. a chocolate bar every single day. Like, run interesting products like that. Products, projects like that. Yeah. And then that would get them into, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I did. I bought a chocolate bar Christmas. And everyone's still got a chocolate bar at the end of the week because I've spent all my money on day one. And it would just, it might be something that sticks with them. I think so. Because also, life. what you've said there about some kids spending it one way or another, I think that everybody's got their money personality as well. Because with my children, I can already see differences from some of them who are happy to save up money and some of them where it burns a hole in their pocket and they're like, I want to save up for this, but actually, do you give your kids pocket money? I give Brody now, he's hit 10, he's got a Go Henry card and he gets £2 a week on that. And do you think the digital approach to money for kids gives them a good understanding of... Because I, I did the same sort of thing and I, for mm. me, I think it was a a stupid thing to do because I think before I did a digital app version of their pocket money I would only do it when they remembered and then suddenly it goes out of my account all the time and they don't notice it half the time and then it comes out again because they just don't have any sort of idea of like the Mm. reality of what that money is well I do agree with you, but I also feel like we're in such a digital world that by the time they're older, they're probably going to be cashless, which is why I've done it. But it's interesting because Brody does say to me, what's on my Go Henry? And he's like, oh, I'm saving it up. I'm Mm. saving it up. And he wanted this this jumper in Zara. It's the first thing he's bought. Um, Because he went, can I get this jumper? And I thought it was horrible. It was just, I just absolutely hated it. I went, absolutely not. It's absolutely disgusting. Have you got my Go Henry card on you? And I went, Yeah. And then he went, well, I'm going to buy my jumper then on that if you don't want to buy me. And I thought, how can I say no, really? Because no, it's that's for him. fine. And I went, but I was thinking, oh, I really don't want you to wear that out with me. So I was like, but it's really horrible. He's like, well, I really like it. So I was like, okay. And he went, how much is it? And I think it was like, I think it was 18 pounds. And he had about 22 pounds. So he's mm-hmm. like, I've got enough to buy it. And he went, right, I've got three pound of front. I'm going to save up now for, mm-hmm. well, I can't think what he's saving up for now. He said he was saving up for Prime, but now he's got one. Hopefully I'll <laughs> get him off that subject again. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting to me that he did work out that he did have his own money. And he I, I see his little face. He was really proud at the counter. You know, like when he went yeah. and touched it and he walked out of his little bag. And he did look really, really happy about it. He'll always um, remember that, I reckon. He has already said to me that such and such gets £5 a week or such and such gets £10 a week. And I was like, well, £2 a week at 10 years old is more than enough money, Brody. That's what I'm paying you. I don't care what they get. Yeah. And then I always say to him, well, what about the other kid? Either you told me he only gets a pound a week. You don't mention him. And he starts laughing. Then he goes, oh, yeah. I go, well, because like, he goes, oh, such and such gets this. You don't pay me that and I go okay I'll pay the same amount as the other kid and he's like oh no I don't need to do that oh because I get less I said no but if you want to be like the same as your mates Brody so I try and sort of devil's advocate him and he's like oh, all right then so I'm like oh if you want to be the same I'm gonna pick that kid because that kid gets less than Brody's and he's like no, right then, mum. Oh, that's like, so good. That's so good. I try and like, game, as yeah, they say. Yeah, he sounds like he's quite into his fashion. I'm counting like 
high tops and the Gucci handbag and the jumper. Yeah. I think he's quite into his look. Well, he goes through like things. It. Now it's like football and he wanted a football kit <laughs> oh, as well. Oh, that's expensive, and, isn't yeah, it? No, gosh, they are. And when they're older, have you thought of like when they're going to be, okay, financial independence? Are you going to encourage them to get jobs when they can and that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, I'm going to have them washing my car in another year. <laughs> I've got I've got Bronte washing down my paperwork later and she's only, she's four now. <laughs> she better start working. I want a return on investment. I'm money mum, for goodness sake. I didn't push them out for nothing. <laughs> I better do. I'm thinking you've got five. I'm thinking how I can get them coming around working for me for some cheap labour. You've got an older one's going to be babysitting later. Um, yeah, I definitely want them to get jobs. Um, I do think that's really important. But I also, as well, I want to encourage... I think because I do social media and I've, I've got a job I love, I also want to... If they want to do something that is different... I want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. I want them to do what makes them happy. And if they work their butts off and they want to be a singer or they want to be a YouTuber, if they work hard at that, I would I would happily let them live rent-free when they're older, not give them money so they'd have to get a part-time job and let them do that career and do that for a couple of years if they worked. If they didn't, then there would be a different conversation. Mm. So I'm definitely up for I want them to I want them to live a happy life because I don't want them I'd love them to do a job they love because then it feels like you're not working. What's the saying? It's like you never go, never go to work if you're happy or something. The saying is, I can't yeah, exactly. Um, so that's really important to me. But yeah, I've I want them to have a first job and like save up for their first car and things like that. I do think that's really important. Mm-hmm. We have got savings accounts for the kids that we opened when they were younger, and we do put money away. Um, but I don't want them to have that till they're 25. I don't think like 18. Who knows? They could be really sensible at 18, but they might not be. And 21, it might still feel now it's really, really young. Whereas I think at 25, you've got more of an understanding. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I do want to help them where I can. Um, but, yeah, like with the first car thing, I might do something where, like, if they want a car, say it was £7,000, they've got to save up half of it and I'll give them the other half. Meet me in the middle, you mm-hmm. see what I mean? So yeah. I think that's fair then. So I want to be fair and I want to help them and I love them and I adore them. And of course I'd love to buy them everything, but they also do have to learn. And I think as well, I think I would give them a bit more later in life. So if I became majorly successful and I was worth loads of money and they were grounded and they had children and they were in their 30s and 40s, when they appreciate it, that's when I'd probably give them the money and be like, okay, right, look, I've seen you've worked really hard. I'm going to give you a big lump sum now because... I know that you've done it for you, but I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to do that at 17, 18, 19. Absolutely no way. That's so smart. I've said there's been a lot of things you've said that made me want to sort of slightly start again with some of the approaches I've taken with my kids. Well, your kids are going to hate me. You're going to be like, oh, right, Jem says you can't have your money now till you're 40. They'll be like, we're basically dead at 40, Mum. Why have you gone and seen her today? She's not welcome. And when you talk about the, the getting investment back for your kids, it reminded me when I was a kid and I'd go and see my dad and my because my mum and dad were, weren't together anymore. I'd see him every other weekend and he was always getting me to do jobs. Um, I just wondered what you'd think of the fact that he made me creosote this entire garden fence and I got a fiver. That's not good, is it? I think he's a bit of a legend, William. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to go out for a drink with him. Please, now. He sounds like my type of man. Is he single? <laughs> See, she's infectiously lovely, isn't she, Gemma? What a wise woman. Such lovely company. And um, a little bit of a funny thing. I told that story about my dad getting me to creosote the fence and paying me a fiver. Well, Richard had to do a little edit there because by accident when I first said it, I said asbestos. I promise you my dad didn't make me asbestos the garden fence. That would be bad. And that would obviously... I'd obviously charge more than a fiver for that. Um... 
Anyway, how do, how do you feel about money? I have a kind of mixed relationship with money. Uh, sometimes I feel... I try to be not too abashed about talking about it. I'm self-employed and I have to employ other people. So I have to be okay with talking to people about wages. And I'm a bit squeamish about it sometimes, but I've really made a point to try and say, you know, let's just be able to talk about money frankly. It's funny though, isn't it? How personal it is and how uptight it makes you when you start thinking about it. I mean, I've got really close girlfriends and we have never discussed how much either of us gets paid for anything. I don't know, it's just not part of the normal dialogue. I think it feels like a bit of a forbidden forbidden zone, a bit taboo, really. Maybe you're better at it than me. I don't know. But I do hope after hearing from Gemma, you do feel you've got a little bit more of a handle on things, possibly. It can, it can only help. Or uh, it's just nice to hear someone talking so straight up about ways to make money work better for you. Yeah, and um, I think we're getting near the end of the series. Still a few more lovely guests to come. And I've started doing the next series as well, of course. But yes, we're actually also approaching the third birthday of the podcast. That's gone quick, hasn't it? Anyway, thank you as ever for your time. Thank you to Gemma for being such a lovely guest. And just as a side, uh, thank you to anybody that's given me any nice messages about the new record even though I've been doing what I do for a really long time, I still get a little bit of a, you know, it does matter to me what people think. <laughs> so everybody that sent me a little message and said something nice, it really, really counts. It's a bit like opening up your diary or something and getting people to read your entries. You just want people to think that what you've done is okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, thank you if you've buoyed me up. And I'm actually off to the circus tonight, as I said. And actually, oh, funnily enough, one of the people in the circus was a previous guest, Jimbra Amelia, who does the horses, acrobatics on a horse. Um, So I'll be seeing her off to Giffords. Um, And yeah, it's been a nice, nice ending to half-term week. And off to do a couple of gigs this weekend. I'll be in Dublin tomorrow with Soft Cell and Heaven 17 and OMD. And then off to Mighty Hoopla on Sunday. And if you're hearing this on next week, well, of course you are. I won't be able to hear it before. Sorry, what a silly thing to say. Then next weekend, I'm at the Cambridge Club Festival as well. And I'm also going camping with the kids on Friday night. Oh, my goodness. That will be an unrelaxing night. Don't know about you, but I can never really sleep in a tent. Anyone that's talking outside just feels like they're like right next to your ear. But they're really looking forward to it. So that'd be fun. All right. Rambling over from me. Thank you so much. See you next week. Lots of love. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.